Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew, 
I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Charles Pie, joined once again by my wife, Hasadaya, in the building, y'all. Give me just a second, y'all. All right, then. There we go. So welcome to the show, man. Welcome to uh, another episode of ISBHPK Presents Bible Talk, sponsored by Sword of Truth, man. Man, very eventful, hectic weekend it was, man. I hope everybody is healthy and uh, hope everybody had a good Sabbath, man. Uh, let me see. So I do, I want to ask y'all for, um, y'all help, man. I want to ask for prayer. Um, for this brother, man, I ran into, uh, at Walmart, man. I don't know why I keep running into Hebrew Israelites at Walmart. <laughs> I'd be at Walmart quite a bit, I guess. Uh, but I want to ask y'all, man, to, uh, send prayers up for his father, um, Jose Gomez Torres, man, uh, in his attempts to gain his citizenship and to cross over into the United States, man. Met the brother. We had a great conversation, man. Cool brother. Liked his energy. Was combative, although we didn't uh, quite believe the same thing, but it was all good, man. Also, uh, I want to ask for your help once again, man, and send some prayers up for my mother. We got some bad news this weekend. Uh, but just keep my mama Dukes in your prayers. Her name is Catherine. The water for that, y'all. I appreciate that. Wanna send shouts out to our brothers here in San Antonio, Tejas. And if y'all haven't been tuning in to a war Sabbath class, man, you are really missing out on some good edification. Uh, I'd like to applaud that brother. And applaud the most high, Yahweh Shai. For putting the spirit on that brother and revealing things to him. I want y'all to understand that when y'all see teachers um, go into history, y'all, it's a very extensive and intense study. It's not something uh, uh, light. It's very intense, and it's very tedious, man. So uh, for a brother to go into that and be able to bring it out to where it's clear and edifying, is a good thing, man. It's very challenging. So I just once again want to big up that brother. And like I said, if you haven't been tuning in to his Sabbath classes, uh, you need to tune in because if you don't, you're missing out, man. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be tuning in to uh, Kazakia's VA classes because those are in depth as well. Uh, War's doing things a little different, but you would be doing yourself a favor to tune in to his classes. He's going into uh, King's. Because uh, we we uh, normally do the Sabbath reading, which uh, just uh, pertains uh, to the Torah. But he's taking a little bit farther, and I believe he's going all the way through the Bible. But right now he's in Kings, 
and uh, it's very interesting, very very intriguing, very very edifying. I also want to send shouts out to uh, the brothers Quatazop, uh, like a Rob, uh, and the brothers Shaquat uh, down in uh, H Town, as well as Kazaki in uh, VA, uh, REI, those brothers up there. Shouts out to um, Nala in Rochester holding it down. Shouts out to those brothers, man, and may the most high keep them safe. And shouts out to the 12 tribes worldwide, man. May the most high in your house shot. Keep brothers and sisters safe that are out in the highways and byways of doing the work that are trying to make themselves better and get rid of the old man. So shouts out to all of y'all, man, all of Israel. Hmm. Excuse me, y'all. If it's your first time tuning into the show, I usually do about an hour of current events and news, uh, things that are just on my mind. Um, and then I get into the topic, which is quite a lengthy one, y'all. And like I said, I never anticipate uh, these topics lasting this long, y'all. I promise I, I don't. But um, as I get into more studying, Different information just comes out, man. And like the scripture says, the spirit is like the wind, man. You don't know where it's going to go. So, uh, like I said, I say all that to say this is going to be a lengthy, lengthy topic, y'all. We're going to dive into it here in a second. I got a little bit of things I want to touch on as far as current events and news or concern. Uh, not too much, just a little bit, because like I said, this title is so extensive. I want to get a nice chunk of it out today. So uh, let's start, like we always do, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 is the prayer we need to be praying on a daily so we can get the hell up out of this corrupted, polluted place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and it reads, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That verse 12, man. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I know a lot of brothers and sisters find that hard to do, but y'all got to keep this in your mind frame. When y'all call yourself mad at brothers and sisters and holding grudges and things of that nature, uh, because... Matter of fact, let me just read verse 15. He says, but if ye forgive not men that trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses <laughs> or forgive your trespasses. We got to remember that, y'all. We want the most high to forgive us for the things that we've done to the, that offend him. So why not give forgive those brothers and sisters for the things that they've done to you Personally, that offended you, man. Let's, let's marinate on that. Let's think about that. Let's make that happen, y'all. All right, let's get uh, Psalms 1, what is it, 1, 118, 118 verse 24. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good or bad, happy or sad. The most high about you truly going to bring you through it. The scripture was heavily on my mind this weekend, y'all. So, um, with that said, man, 
Let's dive into this, man. Hold on. Let me have to change the setup a little bit. This should be enough juice right here, though. I'm sorry, y'all. I had a late night, so I was late on the setup and got everything all over the place. So uh, let me let's get this right here. I think I got two articles in this. Mm, yeah, yeah. So this is the first one we're going to deal with. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, go ahead. From the NewYorkPost.com, Ron DeSantis defends Florida's rejection of woke black history course after White House criticism. So I haven't really uh, read too much into it, y'all. Uh, I was just skimming through this morning and uh, was looking for stuff. Or Kai, you get me up to this one. So apparently they're trying to do away with, they're calling it woke culture, but what it actually is is black history, y'all. And it's so ironic that uh, they would be um, proposing this scene is that next month is uh, Black History Month. <laughs> man, the most I got jokes, man. He's, I'm telling you, he's, a, he's very masterful and comedic when he does things, man. He's just got to sit back and trip off of it. But I'm not surprised. You know, and I've been talking about it quite a bit, man. You remember, uh, was it last year? No, it might have been 2020 during the pandemic when they were doing all that marching and protesting. Well, they were taking down all those Confederate statues and all the stuff that reminded people of slavery. And you had our people, ignorant people that we are, out marching and telling them to take down the Confederate flags and the statues and this and this and that. I don't think our people really get it. If you take down these things, then you're taking down parts of history that your child, that your children are not going to be privy to. And they're going to think that they're the same as our red counterparts who we loosely refer to as white. And they need to be made deathly aware of the history of these people. You know, there's a common saying that says, if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. All right, so let's read on in the article. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday defended his state's rejection of an advanced placement course on black history, calling the instruction progressive indoctrination, posing as impartial academic pursuits. This- so it's impartial and academic. What's the read that part again? It said. Oh. They calling the instruction progressive indoctrination imposing as impartial academic pursuit. It's impartial academic pursuit when black history is discussed at length in schools, but it was not partial when we were getting, because I remember, I'm old enough to remember, um, that in school we would have extensive history on the Civil Civil War. We would have extensive history, because I grew up in Missouri, on Missouri history and all of the white people's triumphs and victories and the things that 
they did, the success that they had, the inventions that they made. We read an awful lot about Thomas Edison and uh, Albert Einstein and all the white inventors and the, oh, I remember, and this is bored the hell out of me, Lewis and Clark uh, expl- uh, explorations. Uh, what is it? The uh, Merrimack Caverns that are uh, located in St. Louis, or I'm sorry, in Missouri. Uh, Jesse James Caverns. Jesse James was an outlaw, but we learned about him. So famous or infamous, we got a double, triple, quadruple, quadruple dose of white history, which passed as American history. But that wasn't partial. But now people are trying to give everybody an extensive look on how black history is not just black history. It's actually American history. And I'm going to take it a step further because American history, including so-called blacks and Native Americans, it don't even scratch the surface of our history, y'all, and I hope y'all know that. And I was talking to Michelle about this last night, man. Our history is so extensive that you it would have to be made a subject of its own to get our complete history. And when I say world history, I am, in fact, talking about biblical history because biblical history is world history. And as we've taught and expressed countless times on our show, the Bible is not I repeat, the Bible is not a religious book. I might have to get some T-shirts made to say that. It's not a religious book, y'all. It's historical context. I hope everybody can understand. If you got nothing else out of our shows, I hope you got that by now. But we would need a whole, like, topic, a whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm dying. A whole genre, I guess, of just history just pertaining to us as the people of the nation. Okay, but read on in the uh, article. DeSantis was hit with a wave of criticism last week after Florida education officials mixed the course on African-American history with some, including White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, asserting that the move was rooted in racism. But the Republican governor rejected that portrayal Monday, arguing that the state wants education, not indoctrination. He claimed that elements of the course not were- Not indoctrination, mm-hmm. but y'all have been indoctrinating us with white supremacy since we got here. And y'all still do it. It's only here recently where you're able to see black people portrayed on the TV screen. Widely, and then when we are portrayed on TV screens, we're dope dealers, faggots, dykes, prostitutes, crack addicts, drug addicts, pimps. We're always something negative. Every now and again, you'll get a brother portrayed in a, a more masculine role or a more dominating role, but there's always something wrong with him. He's either a fag or he really feminine. Or he's got uh, baby mama issues, <laughs> or he's crazy as hell, he's a wife beater. <laughs> so we can just not be good people. 
we can't be uh, polarized as being good people. We're always vilified. Hold on for a second, y'all. I'm reading something. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yep. Yep. And we, we I'm going to touch on that. I've been touching on that because so my cousin just sent me, uh, he said that, hey, cuz I read something the other day that said the class also have exclusive tea exclusivity in the course. Yeah, exclusivity mm-hmm. in the course, which means it talks about gay rights and transgender rights and freedoms. Another way to brainwash our kids about being gay. Yeah. This is where we at. This is where we at. Uh, nearly 100 Confederate monuments removed in 2020, reports say more than 700 remain. This is from NPR, the Water House Society. So this is the, uh, and what it actually is, y'all, I'm going to get to it, it's whitewashing. But go ahead in the article. He claimed that elements of the course were permeated with radical political perspectives that failed to capture the spectrum of black public opinion on several issues, including criminal justice. So can you see what they're trying to do? So they're trying to basically tell people what to think through using history and textbooks. So when unarmed black men get killed by the police, nobody will say anything about it because it'll be the black person's fault and they'll have the opportunity to change the narrative and tell you what to think, no different than, and yeah, we got, like DJ Khaled say, another one. I don't know if y'all heard about the uh, Black Lives Matter's cousin um, being, he wasn't shot, but I think they tased him. They tased him, and I think he went into cardiac arrest or something. I don't know if y'all heard about that, but that's going on. But this is an effort to get people, like I said, to tell people what to think, man, and to uh, basically tell their own narrative from their point of view. So let's get uh, First Maccabees Chapter 3. You have some more, some juicy stuff? Mm-hmm. All right, so go ahead and read that. Wow. I'm going to take a small break. I'll be right back. DeSantis highlighted course materials that he said advocated for the abolition of prisons. It's not fair to say that somehow abolishing prisons is somehow linked to black experience. That's what black people want, he said. I don't think that's true at all. I think they want law and order just like everyone else wants law and order. He also questioned the incorporation of queer theory into the course syllabus. Did I just hear you say, excuse me, y'all. Did I just hear you say that he said that this course advocated for the abolishment of prisons? What the hell does black history and prisons have to do with each other? You got to ask yourself this question. The reason he's saying this is because if they're not vilified, then they have no justification for treating 
black people the way they treat them, and they, like I said, they can portray us all as criminals, and we need to be in prison so they can continue to make money off of us. So you read all of that? Yeah, it, it just basically goes on how they put a lot of different political issues and views all into the courts. Like, it's not just about mm-hmm. black people. The queer studies, black queer studies. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's the problem with our people, and that's why I never uh, supported the whole Black Lives Matter crap and even the civil rights era, y'all. Our people always want to include other people's struggle into our struggle. And then what tends to happen is our struggle and problems and issues get overlooked. Umar Johnson talks about this extensively. I don't agree with uh, his ideology, but he makes some great points. Anyway, let's get uh, 1 Maccabees chapter 3 and verse 48. Oh, doctor, doctor, Umar Johnson. Maybe you're getting offended when you don't call them doctors. <laughs> I'll put some speck on your name, man. Maccabees chapter 3, verse 48. Mm-hmm. And laid open the book of the law. Read what's the, the verse before they say. Then they fasted that day. Yeah, read that. Okay. First Maccabees 3 and 47. Then they fasted that day. So the day is us. This is during the time of the Maccabean revolt. This is history. Read. And put on sackcloth and cast ashes upon their heads. This is what we did. Rededicating the temple. Read. And rent their clothes. Mm-hmm. And laid open the book of the law. And then we laid open the book of the law, which is the Bible, our cultural historical book. Read. Wherein the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. What did the heathen do? The heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. The heathen were replacing us in the Bible. This is why when our people read the Bible now, we think everybody in it is white. Because they got these pictures. You know, pictures worth a thousand words, and they understand this. Then they also understand, because remember, for a significant amount of time, we weren't allowed to read. So if somebody could show you books with pictures in it and show white people <laughs> as the masters, as the ruling people, and then you ain't even in the book, and what does that do to you psychologically? It tells you that you nothing. You ain't even thought of, that you just established, I guess, and you have nothing to do with God. But this is what the heathens did back then, and matter of fact, hold that and get uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes in the Bible, and chapter one. We're going to Ecclesiastes, y'all, chapter 1 and, yep, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. The thing that hath been. So the thing that hath been, so the the things that have been is history, things that happened before our times, read. It is that which shall be. It's going to happen again. 
history repeats itself. So you had the Edomites back during the time of Maccabees erasing us out of our book and painting themselves as us. No different than what they're doing now. And I say this because, matter of fact, keep reading the scripture, I'm going to finish. And that which is done is that which shall be done. Mm-hmm. And there is no new thing under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. History repeats itself, y'all. So the reason they're taking us, or black history, out of the history books is so they can start painting and portraying themselves as us in those very same books. <laughs> you think I'm lying? Y'all remember a couple of years back when y'all remember the movie uh, they made, Harriet? I think that was the name of it. It was about Harriet Tubman. I forgot the name of the damn movie. But the original cast was supposed to be Julia Roberts playing Harriet Tubman. If y'all remember that, look it up. <laughs> this is what they're going to do eventually. This is why they're fighting to take all these statues and stuff down and all the slavery stuff out of the textbooks because they're going to eventually put it back in, but they're going to put themselves in there as the slaves. I'm not lying. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what they always have done. This is what they're good at doing, cultural appropriation. Hell, they do it even now. Look on TikTok, the dances. They all on Facebook, Instagram. Who they trying to be? Hell, they got a whole family by the name of the Kardashians that should have been showing y'all how much they want to be us. To where these people is altering their whole bodies. Then the whole family, all of them mess with niggas, except for one of them, I think, one of the Jenna girls. She's the only one that sticks to white boys. They've been doing this. And I just did, man, go back, look at how Elvis Presley stole rock and roll, now he's the king of rock and roll. And you had uh, Luther Richard for years talk about how Elvis Presley was a thief. And I just seen a clip on YouTube about uh, it was Ray Charles. He called Elvis Presley a punk <laughs> and said he stole stuff. This is what they do, man. They steal people's culture and their heritage. Give me Second Ezra chapter eight and verse. Uh, matter of fact, well, no, no, hold on. Read First uh, Maccabees three and forty eight again. Okay, First Maccabees three and forty eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. And laid open the book of the law, wherein the heathen had sought to paint the likeness of their images. So they. They sought to paint the likeness of their images, read. They brought also the priest's garments. Oh, that's it, that's it. So that the Edomites paint the likeness of their images. They put themselves as the heroes and the villains. So get Second Ezra chapter 8, verse uh, 27. Second Ezra. Chapter 8, verse 27 in the Apocrypha. Regard not the wicked inventions of the heathen. What did it say? Regard not the wicked inventions of the heathen. Man, don't pay them no mind. Don't pay their wicked inventions no mind. 
when they're coming up trying to whitewash everything and put themselves as us, don't pay them no mind because the Most High always brings out the truth, man. Truth is something that can be proven. If you can't prove it, it's not the truth. And a lot of the stuff that they're saying about themselves, they can't prove it. <laughs> it ain't the truth. But you know what What I really despise and hate is when they get help from our people. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 1. Now, remember what it said in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes too, y'all. There's nothing new under the sun, right? So everything pertains to history repeating itself. Read. Deuteronomy 13 and 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams. So the scripture said if a prophet rises up among us or a dreamer of dreams. Read. And giveth thee a sign or a wonder. And give you a sign or a wonder. Now, a lot of people refer to MLK as a prophet. A lot of people say that, man, he was before his time. He he was God sent. And you know what I scratch my head about when it comes to MLK is that he was called the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. His name was actually Michael King. You can look it up. His daddy took that name from um, the Lutheran, the kid who started the Lutheran church. But anyway, um, and I will add this also. They probably erased it, y'all. I remember years back it was on the Internet, though. But his daddy, uh, according to some research I did years back, was part of uh, a group known as the Commandment Keepers. So was Elijah Muhammad. So was uh, Marcus Garvey. But anyway, uh, back to my point. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, for as many times I've seen him, I don't ever think I've seen him with a Bible. The only time I see him quote scriptures is when he gave I Have a Dream speech, which he stole from the book of Isaiah. That's the only time I see him mentioning scriptures. And then when he was speaking, he wasn't speaking something of the most high. He was speaking that of, of, his, of himself. Now, I do understand that this is a sensitive topic for black people, and a lot, of, a lot of black people, they get real eerie and real upset when I, or we start talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. I want you all to ask yourself this. Because Dr. King was responsible for the minority bus boycott, Rosa Parks, all that good stuff, right? When, if you're, if you have to, if you ever took public transportation, hell, even uh, transportation going to school back and forth, when you got on the bus, whether it be a school bus or a public transit bus, where did you sit? Niggas went straight to the back of the bus and still do. Still do. After <laughs> all that commotion, this lady go to jail, all these people get beat, niggas still go to the back of the bus. 
I'm saying all this to say that those efforts were in vain. It was stupid in the first place because King should have been saying was, or teaching or preaching was separation, not integration. Because the original civil rights movement started because we wanted things to be equal. We didn't want to integrate. We just wanted things to be equal. We wanted better material for our infrastructure, hospitals, schools, things of that nature. That's that's what was happening, y'all. But King got it in his head that it was better to integrate. And look at us now, man. Look at our people now. Go on down uh, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, World Star Hip Hop, and see the hatred that we have for each other. See how we fight each other. See how we have not advanced. How is it that before integration, we had schools, we had uh, hospitals, we had clinics, we had communities, communities that actually cared and looked after one another. And Quartzov did a whole series on this. I ain't making this stuff up. Excellent, excellent class he did. I forgot the name of it. But he had actual, actual statistics of how we favored before the civil rights movement and integration. And we did better then. But look at us now. Our kids ain't aspiring to be doctors and lawyers no more, medical professionals. Our kids are aspiring to be rappers, entertainers, or ball players. That's all our children aspire to this day and age. Integration dumbed us down and made us weak. And now we've polluted our seed and watered down our seed because most of our brothers is marrying white women now. So our history is getting washed over and forgot because if you're a brother and you done married this Edomite and you got this Edomite kid, now you're teaching, man, everybody's the same. That's a damn lie. If everybody was the same, then why would there be a need for the Black Lives Matter march? Why would there have been a need for the civil rights era? Come on, man. Stop these damn lies y'all tell yourselves and tell y'all children. Anyway, where we at? Read it again. <clears throat> yeah, and I also noticed, too, that some Israelite groups won't even touch this topic no more. I noticed that. Brother shy away from this topic. Hell, I remember we was down in Baton Rouge for uh, Austin Sterling when he got murdered down there. And, man, we brought this out. And it was about to be a riot. I mean, it was about to be a mob. We had so many brothers and sisters coming against us down there. It was crazy. We had to pack up the leaf. That's how bad it got. It's how bad it got down there. Now, mind you, we was talking about all kinds of stuff. But when we got on the topic of MLK, man, it was a wrap. This is our people, though. Our people, what, what they say? Our people got three pictures up in their house. <laughs> Jesus, actually, Caesar Vosier, the white boy, posed for the fake, false image of Christ. Martin Luther King, 
and Tupac. <laughs> Them the three pictures niggas got hanging up in their crib. <laughs> anyway, tell them where you at. Read it again. Deuteronomy. Yep. Deuteronomy 13 and 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass. So the sign of the wonder was the Montgomery bus boycott, the sit-ins, all of this crap. Those were the signs of the wonder. People were impressed by us marching thousands of miles, having dogs and water holes sick on us. That's not impressive to, to me. Read on. Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods. And he said, well, when did King say, let us go after other gods? He said, let us go after other gods when he said that he wanted little white girls and little uh, black boys or however it went to hold hands and all this other crap. When the Most High told us profusely in the Bible not to mingle with the other nations. That's when he was telling us to go after other gods. Because what happened? And the Most High said in that same chapter, they will turn your heart from following me. And that has happened. Our people do not follow the Most High no more. Our people are atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, spiritual, Catholic, they everything. Read on. Which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. What did the Most High say? Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. I should have got the clip. I have a dream today. The Most High said, don't listen to him. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Said the Most High is going to prove us. Or we going to follow somebody's made-up ideology of what they think our people should be doing? Or are we going to follow what the Most High said our people should be doing? Read. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments. This is the part that King just, I guess, never got. Keep the commandments. He was not teaching our people to keep God's commandments. The set of laws that we have, the dietary law. You wonder why our people run around with the sugar, run around with high blood pressure the gout, and all these other health ailments that our people have because we from the dietary laws of the Most High on how to eat. What about the moral laws? We sure as hell ain't following those. Why you got every other song talking about how some nigga that slept with your woman? The moral laws, thou should not commit adultery. Remember that? How about the moral laws on a woman not wearing pants or a dude not wearing the stuff that belongs to a woman? How about that? That way you keep homosexuality and that spirit of homosexuality out of your community, out of our nation, out of our people. What about the ceremonial laws on how the Most High rescued us out of Egypt, which we know is Passover, and the rest of all the other high holy days? What about celebrating those instead of pagan Christmas, pagan New Year's, pagan... uh, Valentine's Day coming up. And then what about the civil laws, which deal with property and how you should treat your brother or your sister? 
That's how you build a community to keep a community safe. And, hey, nigga, don't touch that. It ain't yours. That belongs to him. The laws on if you stole something, you had to return it seven times, sevenfold. What about that? That'll keep us from what? Killing each other. What about those laws, y'all? But he wasn't teaching that. Read on. And obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. We shall obey the most high's voice and cleave to the most high's voice. Not a fake leader that said he's coming in the name of the Most High. This is why it's so important you better study. Read. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. What happened to King? Shall be put to death. He was shot at the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis on the balcony. Jesse Jackson up there, who who I've heard is a was a CIA informant. He got put to death, man. So that's why he died. The Most High had to take him out. Look at the influence that he had on our people. And our people still to this day talking about they have a dream. While we living in poverty, while we're still um, second and third class citizens, while we're still disenfranchised and all that stuff. What do you say? Crazy thing about it because is King did an interview before he was killed where he said he did his people a grave injustice with the civil rights movement. Yes, he did. He said, I fear that I've integrated my people into a burning house. And he did. He knew he was off. He saw the destruction that he caused on black and brown people. And I say black and brown people because a lot of brown people marched with him, and then we can't remember, we can't forget that after civil rights uh, era, you had the, uh, but during the same time, you had the march for uh, brown and brown, uh, brown people's rights. The Mexican-American movement, the Indian movement, all those movements came out of King's civil rights uh, stuff. All right, y'all. So that, that's enough of that. Let me transition over now into the class. Title Never Wax Tail Captives of the Southern Kingdom of Judah, Part One. So, hold on, I'm sorry, let me take a quick break. Child, I'm back. Sorry about that. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's go to First Kings chapter twelve, verse nineteen. 
So, y'all, we're going to do an extensive amount of reading like we always do. We're dealing with history, so we have to get all of the facts and all of the details. Let me paper towel for you. All right, so we're going to uh, First Kings chapter twelve, verse nineteen. Mm-hmm. First Kings twelve and nineteen. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Now, the reason I want to get this is because uh, I did the segment Never Wax Tail talking about the Northern Kingdom and how they ended up in the Americas. Y'all can go back and check those classes out. I think I did it in two or three parts. And I want to apologize too, y'all. Uh, I was going back doing some more research, man. I, I wasn't as extensive and clear as I wanted to be in discussing the Northern Kingdom and this demise. Uh, I kind of rushed through it a little bit. Um, so I apologize for that, y'all. But I'm not going to do that with the southern kingdom. So read this again. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. So this is the split of the kingdom. And this happened around 930 B.C. All right. Read on. And it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. So you had Jeroboam, who was an Ephraimite, which would be Karen Day, so-called Puerto Rican. He reigned over what's known as the Northern Kingdom, y'all. Read. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. So then you have the tribe of Judah, which when it says the house of David, David was from the tribe of Judah. So that's what it's talking about. And you had David's son. Matter of fact, read on. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin. So he it was not just the tribe of Judah in the southern kingdom. It was also the tribe of Benjamin. So there was two tribes and Wherever we went, we had to have priests. So it was two tribes, Judah, Benjamin, and it was some Levites that was there. We say commonly that it was two and a half tribes. Uh, We don't know for certain if it was half of them, but we do know that there were Levites there in the land, which made up the southern kingdom. So you had Judah, Benjamin, and some of the Levites that, that were there in the southern kingdom. They followed the house of David. They followed Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Read. And hundred and four score thousand chosen men mm-hmm. were warriors, which were warriors, to fight against the house of Israel, to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. So we were about to fight each other. And eventually we did. All right, let's go to Second Kings chapter 17 now. Yeah, you can read that. Second Kings chapter seventeen and let's start at verse one. 
Second Kings 17 and 1. We're going to read all the way to verse 18. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. So what, in the, what I love about our history is because the kingdom is split by this time. Like I said, this happened around 930 B.C. Uh, when I was going over how um, the nine and a half left and came over here, they came over here roughly around 722 B.C. So um, this was happening. This stuff was happening simultaneously, y'all, and it's going to tell you that. So read this again from the top. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah. So Ahaz was king of the southern kingdom. Read. Began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And you had Hosea that was in the northern kingdom. He was running things. Read. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, mm-hmm. but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Mm-hmm. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hosea became his servant and gave him presents. So this is during the Assyrians. So the Assyrians were becoming a world power, and they came up against the southern, I'm sorry, the northern kingdom, which Hosea was the king. Read. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to so king of Egypt and brought no presents to the king of Assyria. So what Hosea wanted to do is he wanted to rebel against the Assyrians, and he uh, he started the league with the Egyptians, but the Assyrians found out about that, and they didn't like that. Read. As he had done year by year, therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. So he threw him in the prison. Read. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. So they came in. The Assyrians came in. First they seized it. Now, when you seize an area, you bring in all your military and all your people, there's still day-to-day life functioning going on in this land, but your people are under control. No different than when America's, Americans went over to Iraq and um, Iraq, uh, Kuwait and all those places uh, during the Gulf Wars, and they seized those areas. So the people still lived their day-to-day life, but you had an American presence there that was basically running things, and you had to get their permission to do whatever. Like an occupation. Like an occupation is exactly what it was. So this is what's going on here. The Assyrians occupied the northern kingdom for three years, it said. Read. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria. Now, it said he took, took Samaria in the ninth year. So this is when he took the Israelites in the northern kingdom into captivity. First they occupied it, then they just went on and wiped them out. And carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Halah and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. Now, I covered this, like I said, in the three parts. So when they 
uh, took, when the Assyrians took the northern kingdom out of Samaria, they replaced them with foreign nationalists. In, in this, uh, the area of Samaria, all the northern kingdom, there was still some northern kingdom people that was there, and we're going to find out, too, a lot of them uh, ran down into the southern kingdom also. But those tribes ended up eventually coming over to the Americas. Like I said, go back and do check the, uh, the classes I've previously done. Historical uh, proof, evidence proves that they came over and they stayed here and was conquered by the conquistadors and whatnot. Um, so where was we at? All right, keep reading. And walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. So the Most High punished us because we were heavy into idolatry, y'all. That's why he had uh, the Assyrians come in and wipe the northern kingdom out. Read. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. So you see this? This is idolatry, read. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Read. For they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes. So when he said the most I prophesied uh, or testified against Israel uh, and against Judah by all the prophets, so all the prophets, so you had northern kingdom prophets and then you had southern kingdom prophets. And we'll get into more detail dealing with that in a second. Uh, Read on. According to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets, Mm -hmm. notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the necks of their fathers. That did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them. Yeah, I told y'all, man, the word heathen means nation or Gentile. This has always been our problem. We want to be like the other nations. Read. Concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. He told us countless times, don't be like them, read. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two cows, and made a grove and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. To do what? Pass through the fire. Yes, y'all reading this right. This is not a misprint. When it says, Caused them to pass through the fire We were burning our children Now remember All of this kicked off With Solomon y'all Solomon had a thousand uh, wives 
and concubines, and he started worshiping their gods and building their shrines and groves and serving their deities, he started us into idolatry. And then Jeroboam came along during the split, and then he just continued with all the idolatry. Read on. And used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. So I want us to understand this is very important. So when you see the word Israel, it's talking about the northern kingdom. When you see the word Judah, it's talking about the southern kingdom. All right? This is very important. All right, so that was verse 18. Now let's go to the Bible Atlas. So I want y'all to read out this, read what you read out of this book. Uh, so this is from the Bible Atlas. Tell them the title and give them the page. You want to page 139. And this is just to validate what we just read out of the Bible. Because once again, the Bible is a history book, page 139. Right here. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay. All right. From the Holman Bible Atlas, a complete guide to the expansive geography of biblical history. Man, if if you are in the book, man, and you're trying to really get informed about the history of the Bible. This book is excellent. This book is fire, man. Page 139, Fall of Samaria. Shalmaneser V, from 727 to 722 B.C. Give the dates again. 727 to 722 B.C. You see how the dates are lining up, y'all? Like I said, we came to to the Americas around 722 B.C. Reigned only briefly upon the death of... Tiglath the third. He left very few remains. During Shalmaneser V's reign, Hosea rebelled against Assyria with the expectation of Egyptian aid, referenced in 2 Kings 17, verses 1 through 4. Which we just read. Read. Perhaps Tefnatki, the founder of the 24th Egyptian dynasty, stirred up the revolt in fear of Assyrian incursions further south. So what was going on was you had the Assyrians coming into their power, world domination. And remember, the Egyptians once held that position, and they were trying to get it back. Read. The rebellion probably was more widespread and may have involved Phoenician and Philistine cities. Shalmaneser responded by besieging Samaria for three years until the city fell in 722 B.C., mm-hmm. referenced in 2 Kings 17 verses 5 through 6. Though Sargon II, 722 to 705 B.C., successor to Shalmaneser V, claims credit for the capture of Samaria, the Bible implies that Shalmaneser was primarily responsible for the final destruction of the northern kingdom, Israel. Which it does. And when it mentioned, uh, what is it, Tiglath-Pilasar? That's also uh, Shalomaneser. All the, all these people we're reading about is family. This this is like their sons, sons, and all that. 
by the time we get to Saragon, he was one of the sons also, and he was actually responsible for leading the northern kingdom into captivity. But like this, like this says here, the Bible gives uh, Shalmaneser, I believe, the fit, the credit. Mm-hmm. Read on. Let's see. Oh. The Bible implies that Shalmaneser was primarily responsible for the final destruction of the northern kingdom Israel, referenced in 2 Kings 17.5. During Sargon's early reign, many Israelites were deported and resettled in the upper Haber Valley, Gozan, near Nineveh, at Halah, and as far away as Media, 2 Kings 17.6, 1 Chronicles 5.26. Right. And like I said, foreign nationalists were brought in, other nations were brought in to live in Samaria, to dwell there. This is important, y'all, because by the time you get to the New Testament, and you read about uh, Christ when he, he tells you that uh, he told the disciples don't go into any of the cities of, of the Samaritans. This is why he told them not to go there because it was nationalist. And I also cover that in this series. But this, this is why history is important, y'all. Read on. Sargon's inscriptions mention 27,200 captives taken from Israel. Captive people from the area of Babylon Kassah, and Syria, Hamas, and Sepharvaim were resettled in Samaria, 2 Kings 17.24. Some Israelites fled southward, seeking refuge in Jerusalem. Whoa, can we read that again? Some Israelites fled southward, seeking refuge in Jerusalem. So you had some Israelites from the northern kingdom that fled and went down into the southern kingdom. So you had some of the tribes, some of the nine and a half tribes that was living amongst Judah, Benjamin, and some of the Levites. This is very important, y'all. All right? I want us to remember this. Was that all? Captive peoples from the area of Babylon... Kassah and Syria, Hamas and Sibarim were resettled in Samaria. Some Israelites fled southward seeking refuge in Jerusalem, but most had to suffer the indignity of Assyrian occupation in the newly formed Assyrian province of Samaria. So they made it into a, uh, they made the northern kingdom into a, a Syrian or Syrian province. All right, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 18. Keep that book handy. We're going right back to it. Okay. And I want you to start at verse, uh, hold on, let me get my notes and stuff together. Verse 1. 2 Kings 18 and 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. You see this, y'all? So this is still talking about Hosea. He was Hosea. He was in the northern kingdom. He was the king at that time. And then in the southern kingdom, you had Hezekiah ruling the, the uh, tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites. Read. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. Hezekiah, 25, read. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah, 
And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. So he was a righteous king. So in the southern kingdom, you had some kings that was righteous. You had some kings that weren't righteous. In the northern kingdom, man, they didn't have any righteous kings, man. Read on. Verse 4, he removed the high places and breaks the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Right, which means uh, brass serpent. And you read about this in the book of Numbers, and this sign is still used today as the medical symbol, y'all. It's the snake with the uh, the snake on the staff. It's the medical sign still used this day and age. Well, you had our our people, the Northern Kingdom. They started. I'm sorry, the Southern Kingdom. They started worshiping this damn thing. So uh, Hezekiah he tore it down and removed it. So read on. Verse five. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Right. And I'm sorry, y'all. Let me make this point, too, about verse 4 and that uh, that golden serpent that was on the stick, on the staff. That's the same one that's talked about in St. John chapter 3. All right? Y'all know it is John 3 and the famous verse, three John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world. Well, when you read up in the chapter, it makes reference to the staff that Moses lifted up amongst the children of Israel. So the subject matter, when it gets by the time you get to the world, some of the world of Israel, man, you got to read things in context. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that out. You know, verse six. For he clave to the Lord and departed not following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. So Hezekiah was a righteous king, read. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. So this is Hezekiah. Hezekiah is rebelling because the king of Assyria, like I said, Assyria was rising as a superpower. So they were trying to take over all territories. They didn't want just half of Jerusalem because, remember, I mean, sorry, half of Israel. They wanted all of Israel because, remember, Israel was divided between the northern and the southern kingdom. Now, keeping in mind, he had already by this time took the northern kingdom into captivity. Now he's coming against the southern kingdom. Read. Verse 7, and the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the borders thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Allah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. Actually, he, the Assyrian was pushing into the southern kingdom first. And then they took the northern kingdom out. Read. And at the end of three years, they took it. Even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. See that? 
See, all this stuff is going on simultaneously. Read. Verse 11. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria and put them in Halah and in Tabor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. Because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded and would not hear them nor do them. So this has always been our reasons for going into captivity. We won't listen. We won't do the most high. We want to do us. Read. Verse 13. Now in the 14th year of the king of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against of Judah and took them. So he laid a siege. This new king, what's his name? Sennacherib. Sennacherib. He came up and he took certain cities that were in the southern kingdom. All right, I want us to remember that. It's important. Now we're going to jump to 2 Kings chapter 29. And we're going to start at verse 16. Second Kings chapter 20 and verse 16. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Wow. So this is during the time of Isaiah. Like I told you, we had northern kingdom prophets and southern kingdom prophets. So Isaiah was a southern kingdom prophet. He was there doing or uh, during uh, what was going on with Hezekiah, and the Most High told him to go prophesy to Hezekiah and let him know, hey, look, you going to captivity. Y'all going to captivity under the Babylonians. Y'all ain't going to go under the Assyrians, but y'all are going under the Babylonians. Read on. Verse 18, And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. He even tells them where his son's going to be at. Read. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said what? Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. Now, remember what the Most High just told him. You go into captivity, your son's going to be eunuchs in the palace. And what did this brother say? Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He didn't go through changes. He accepted his faith. This is what it means to man up. He ain't cry like a little. <laughs> we we had that over here too, man. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> he didn't go through changes, man. He accepted his faith. This is what this is what it means this is what it really means to be a man, man. Accept your faith. Don't moan and, and cry about it. Now remember it said that Hezekiah was a righteous king. But what we don't realize is that we suffer for things that other people do. The, 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 the southern kingdom is about to suffer for all the things that Solomon did. All the things that Solomon's kids did. Read on. And he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? He understood this. Read. Verse 20. And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made a pool 
and a conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son reigned in his stead. So verse twenty is talking about how the Assyrians did lay siege to Jerusalem, but Hezekiah, smart brother man, had uh, engineering skills to where he basically made a trench or a pipe or a hose, and he ran it from the spring outside to where it came up in the midst of Jerusalem in the city. Because when you have a siege, then when you have a siege of a city, then there's no food coming in. There's no water coming in. But Hezekiah, what he did was he stockpiled everything, and then he had that water brought in to where they could still fight because they would have the energy to fight because they had food and water. So it was a bad brother. Um, get Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1. So we already got how, how Isaiah was uh, one of the prophets during this time frame, but also you had Jeremiah that was there. He was one of the prophets too. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah chapter 20 and what did I say? Uh, yeah, verse 1. Jeremiah 20 and 1. Now for sure the son of Emer, the priest. Who he was a what? The priest. So for sure was the priest of this cat named Zedekiah. And he was the last king of Israel before the southern kingdom just got wiped out. I forgot his name because he had another name, but his name got changed. But anyway, this is talking about one of his priests. Read on. Now, Peshur, the son of Emer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then for sure smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. So we're going to find out what Jeremiah was saying that got him smacked in the face and locked up. Read. And it came to pass on the morrow that Peshur brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, the Lord hath not called thy name for sure, but Magor Misabib. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself. So I'm guessing that's what that name means, a terror to yourself, read. And to all thy friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies. So this is Jeremiah prophesying what's going to happen to him, read. And thine eyes shall behold it, and I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive into Babylon, and shall slay them with the sword. So this is Jeremiah prophesying that the same thing Isaiah prophesied, that they were going to go into captivity under the Babylonians. I hope everybody's seeing this. That's verse, uh, what, four? Mm-hmm. Read on. Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of this city, and all the labors thereof, and all the precious things thereof, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah will I give into the hand of their enemies, which shall spoil them, and take them, and carry them to Babylon. And thou, for sure, and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity, and thou shalt come to Babylon, and there shalt thou, and there thou shalt die, and shalt be buried there, thou and all thy friends, to whom thou hast prophesied lies. 
because this cat was saying that we weren't going to go into captivity. Now let's get go back to that Bible Atlas page one fifty six. So we found out that Isaiah was during the time of Hezekiah the king, and then we find out Jeremiah was also during that time, but he was doing Zedekiah, the last king of Israel, both prophesying us going into captivity under the Babylonians. Now tell them where you're at. From the Holman Bible Atlas, page 156, Nebuchadnezzar's army besieged Jerusalem for two years. 588 to 586 B.C., cut off from any possible hope and with food supplies depleted, Jerusalem fell in July of 586 B.C. So this is when Jerusalem fell, and the king during that time of the Babylonians was Nebuchadnezzar. So Jerusalem fell around 586 B.C. What time did it say? You gave it a month too, right? Mm, oh, yes. Uh, in July. In July. Of 586 B.C. Read on. The Babylonians destroyed the city, breaking down the fortifications and burning the temple, palaces, and houses. 2 Kings 25, 8-21. Jeremiah 39, 1-10. Burnt debris excavated in several places in Jerusalem gives evidence of the ferocity of the attack and aftermath. Zedekiah fled Jerusalem to the east but was captured near Jericho, taken before Nebuchadnezzar, who was at Ribla in central Syria. Zedekiah was forced to witness the execution of his sons before being blinded. Before what? Being blinded. So they killed. So the Babylonians killed Zedekiah's sons right before him, and then they blinded this dude. Read. And led away to Babylon in chains. An additional deportation of Jews further depleted the leadership of the kingdom. A deportation of Jews. So you had a lot of Israelites that went into captivity into Babylon. And this is the southern kingdom we're talking about once again. Now, remembering some of the northern kingdom people had ran into the southern kingdom. So you had um, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, some of the Levites, but you also had people from the nine and a half tribes such as Ephraim, Manasseh, Gad, Reuben, Simeon, Zebulon, uh, Nathali, Asher, and Issachar. So you had some of them over there as well. Now, during the Babylonian captivity, matter of fact, we're going to get that. Read the rest of this. Jeremiah 52, 29, and 2 Kings 25, 11. Uh, Judah and Jerusalem lay defenseless, open to attack, with few material resources and little hope for the immediate future. Mm -hmm. The days of exile predicted by Jeremiah had become reality. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that say? The exile? No, don't. don't. So we're going to stop there. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 25. And uh, verse 1. 2 Kings, chapter 25, and verse 1. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, and in the, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his hosts, against Jerusalem, and pitched against it. And they built forts against 
it round about. Mm -hmm. And the city was besieged unto the 11th year of King Zedekiah. Like I said, he was, he was the last king of the southern kingdom. Read. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. Right. It, 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 same thing is said in the Bible, Abbey. So they basically starved us out. Read. And the city was broken up, and all the men of the war fled by night by the way of the gate between two walls, which is by the king's garden. Now the Chaldees were against the city round about. So it says the who? The Chaldees. The Chaldees, which were with the Babylonians. These are Babylonians also. Read. And the king went the way towards the plain, and the army of the Chaldees pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho and all his army were scattered from him. Mm -hmm. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon to Riblah and they gave judgment upon him and they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon. We just read that in that Bible accurate. So, so I just should let you know it's accurate. Read. Verse 8, and in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem. And he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, and every great man's house burnt he with fire. So this dude was responsible for burning everything, man. He sent everything up in flames. Read. Verse 10. And all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Now the rest of the people that were left in the city and the fugitives that fell away to the king of Babylon with the remnant of the multitude did Nebuzard Adan, the captain of the guard carry away. Right. And this is the destruction, y'all, of the first temple. This is the destruction of the Solomon built. Read. Verse 12. But the captain of the guard left of the poor of the land to be vine dressers and husbandmen. See, it was an Israelite that was left. Read. And the pillars of brass that were in the house of the Lord and the bases and the brazen sea that was in the house of the Lord did the Chaldees break in pieces and carried the brass of them to Babylon. So it was way more than just brass. And y'all go back and read the building of the temple and all the gold that Solomon had on the walls and on the floor and all the gold dishes and gold silverware. The kingdom was, I mean, the, the, the first temple, y'all, was, uh, was, I ain't going to even, if I had to compare it to anything, What's the, the damn thing talk about the Taj Mahal or whatever? Mm -hmm. It was way, way better than that. Way better than that. That's the only thing I've got to compare it to to get your minds there. It would be like the Taj Mahal meets Fort Knox where they in Kentucky where they keep all the gold and stuff at. That's how many how much uh value valuables that was in the temple that was actually part of it on the wall and on the floor. I'm telling you, it was beautiful. Read. Verse 14, and the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the spoons and all the vessels of brass wherewith they ministered, took they away. Now listen to what it's saying, y'all. Pots, shovels, snuffers, spoons, all the vessels, brass. 
And this is just the brass we're talking about, but there's a lot of gold there also, Read. And the fire pans and the bowls and such things as were of gold, in gold and of silver, in silver, the captain of the guard took away. Told you, Read. Verse 16, the two pillars, one sea, and the bases which Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the brass of all these vessels was without weight. The height of the one pillar was 18 cubits, and the, and the chapter upon it was brass. And the height of the chapter, three cubits, and the wreathen work and pomegranates upon the chapter round about, and all of brass, and like unto these had the second pillar with wreathen work. And the captain of the guard took Seraiah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the keepers of the door. And out of the city he took an officer that was set over the men of war, and five men of them that were in the king's presence, which were found in the city, and the principal scribe of the host, which mustered the people of the land, and threescore men of the people of the land that were found in the city. And Nebuzar Adon, captain of the guard, took these and brought them to the king of Babylon, to Riblah. And the king of Babylon smote them and slew them at Riblah in the land of Hamath. So Judah was carried away out of their land. So Judah was carried away out of the land. So this was, like I said, the destruction of the first temple and the start of the Babylonian captivity, which happened around 5. 86 B.C. Now, you were in verse, what, 20, 21, right? Now, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1. Once again, Jeremiah was a prophet during this time. And I hope y'all seeing the riches that we once had, y'all, how we was balling out of control and how the other nations, they came in. And the first place they went was the temple because it was full of riches. This is what they would call the spoils of war or the booty. This is what the first thing you get in war. So uh, Jeremiah 21. Read. Start over there? Huh? Start over there? Yeah. Again? Did we read this already? Mm, yeah. I'm not sure exactly where we stopped. Yes, we were here. Let me see. Wait oh, yeah, we stopped at six. We finished it. Wait, 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 wait. No, I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 39. Okay. Fix your notes, y'all. Jeremiah 39 and 1. Jeremiah 39 and 1. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged it. And in the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. So you have historical accounts by whoever the author of Second Kings was, and then you have Jeremiah's accounts right here. Read. And all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate, even Nergal Sharezer. Samgar Nebo, and Sarsikim, Rapsaris, Nagal Sharezer, Rabmag, 
with all the residue of the princes of the king of Babylon. Great job, Rich. And it came to pass that when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, saw them and all the men of war, then they fled and went forth out of the city by night. So, it, and it tells you in, in uh, 2 Kings 25 that these men went out by night. But here, Jeremiah lets you know that the king was with them. The king was deserting the city. <laughs> right, read. By the way of the king's garden, by the gate, betwixt the two walls, and he went out of the way of the plain. But the Chaldeans' army pursued after them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his eyes. Also, the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. We just read that, right, Read. And the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and break down the walls of Jerusalem. Also read that. Now let's get Jeremiah chapter 52. And let's go to verse 28. Jeremiah 52 and 28. This is the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive. In the seventh year, 3,000 Jews and three and 20. In the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 830 and two persons. So it didn't happen all at once. This was a gradual thing. Read. In the three and twentieth year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuzar Adan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the Jews seven hundred forty and five persons. All the persons were four thousand and six hundred. A lot of people, right? Read. And it came to pass in the seven and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, in the five and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him forth out of prison, and spake kindly unto him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon. All right. So I think we read two for it. Yes, I just wanted to go to 30. All right, now, now let's go to Daniel chapter 1. I came here to show us who actually went into captivity, how many people it was, and how uh, the Bible uh, all goes together, corresponds with each piece. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1 now. And we're going to start at verse 1. Daniel 1 and 1 In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim King of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar King of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it So before they destroyed it completely They seized it And during this time Jehoiakim was the king The same one we just read about In um, Jeremiah Read. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim King of Judah into his hand 
with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Mm -hmm. And the king spake unto Ashkenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. See this? And we already read about how they took the nobles. So they were taking noble people, and this goes hand in hand with what we read in Kings, what we read in Jeremiah. Now we're getting in the book of Daniel, and we're going to eventually find out that Daniel was uh, part of those uh, captives that were taken. Read. Should bring certain of the kings, excuse me, certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel. He was the what? The children of Judah, Daniel. So these brothers that is listing were in the southern kingdom during this time, and they were taken captive. So this is during the time of the Babylonians. Daniel was took captive. Read. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. All these were Israelites. Now, let's jump over to uh, Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to jump. Hold on for a second, y'all. I'm sorry to y'all. This T has got me going. I'm sorry about that. I'm back. You know, what's interesting about this, too, also, y'all, is <laughs> this was a buildup over many, many years. And keeping in mind that the southern kingdom had just witnessed the northern kingdom being drug off into captivity by Shalmaneser for their wickedness. And we seeing this, nothing clicked to where we said, hey, this could happen to us. Hey, we better get our stuff together for before this happens. None of that clicked in our minds. We just kept doing what we was doing. All right. So we're in Daniel chapter uh, 2, and I want you to read verse 1 first. Daniel 2 and 1. 
And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Now, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the Babylonians. So he had this dream, right? Now, let's jump down to verse uh, 36. So what happens is he has a dream. Nobody can understand it. Um, and he went so far as to say he was going to kill all his magicians and soothsayers because none of them could interpret the dream. He wouldn't even tell them what the dream was about, y'all. This is how this, how, how this dude didn't trust his uh, people around him. So he was like, hey, they got to tell me, whoever interprets this dream, they got to tell me what the dream was about, and then they got to break it down and tell me what it means. So verse 36. Daniel 2 and 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. So this is Daniel and his companions. Like, hey, man, this is the dream, and then I'm going to tell you what the dream means. Read. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Who gave him this? The God of heaven. The Most High gave him this. The mo- so it was at the Most High's hand <laughs> that he put us into captivity under the Babylonians in the first place. Read. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of, heaven, of the heaven hath he given into thine hand. And hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art his head of gold. Thou art this head of gold. Because, well, you can go back and remember. But in the dream, it was a dream of a statue. And it was from head to toe. So in the dream, the statue, his head was made out of gold. So he said, hey, you are the head of gold. This is talking about you, your kingdom, your time to rule. This is what Daniel's telling this dude. Read on. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. And he doesn't know after your kingdom fall, another kingdom coming right behind you, but it ain't going to be as tough and uh, it's not going to be as moral as your kingdom, even though they weren't the most moral people, but they did have some morals. Read on. And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And then he was so forth telling about the next kingdom that's coming to set up even after his. Now, this happened, like I said, around 586 B.C. Now, let's go get that right there. We'll go to the Jerusalem timeline. Mm-hmm. So, Jerusalem timeline, I want you to go all the way down to 586 B.C. <clears throat> yep, right there. 587 to 586 BCE, Second Babylonian Siege. Now, this is off the Jerusalem timeline timeline that I got off of Wikipedia, y'all. And it's just going right along what we've been reading out of the Bible, out of the Bible Atlas, just bringing in another source to validate what we're reading. It's actual history. It happened, and it's relative. Read. Nebuchadnezzar II fought Pharaoh Apries attempt to invade Judah. Jerusalem mostly destroyed, including the first temple, Including the what? The first temple. The first temple that Solomon built was destroyed. Read. And the city's prominent citizens exiled to Babylon. Mm-hmm. No, that's all I want right there. Now, let's go to back to the Bible Atlas, page 158. From the Holman Bible Atlas, page 158, the exile. 
The destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. marked a great watershed in Jewish history. The loss of independence, deportations of significant segments of the population, and the apparent end of the Davidic dynasty provoked an unprecedented crisis. So this was the end of David's dynasty. Read. What now was the relationship between God and his people? What did the destruction of Jerusalem with its temple mean for the physical and spiritual destiny of the Jews? These and other profound questions necessitated a radical rethinking of God's purposes with and for the Jewish community. We know very little about this pivotal pivotal period. Jeremiah provides some insight about the years from 586 to 582 B.C. Now, that's not true. We're talking about we know very little. No, we know a whole lot. We've been bringing it out through the Bible and uh, other uh, secular sources. Go on. Referenced in Jeremiah 39 through 44. While Ezekiel supplies additional information about those taken into captivity, see also Jeremiah 29, many scholars believe Isaiah 40 through 55 reflects this same era thus providing additional insight into the plight of those Jews taken to to Babylon. Further glimpses of exilic life come from Babylonian sources. Mention is made of King Jehoiakim in exile, Aramaic legal documents from a business firm operated by the Marushu family near Nippur mention several Jewish names, perhaps descendants of Jewish exiles, although dating from a later period. 440 to 416 B.C. These materials shed valuable light on living conditions in the exilic community. Two different Jewish communities must be considered, those who remained in the land of Judah and those who were sent or escaped from Judah. Now, so some people stayed, and then some got out. I want to understand this. Read on. The diaspora Jews. The what? Diaspora Jews. So the Jews that were dispersed. I'm looking for something. Um, man, I got to get this. Hold on, y'all. Bear with me for a second. While I look for this. keep looking. So I want you to get uh, this article right here. There we go. Tell them where you're reading from. From Brill.com. From the history to the hermeneutics, the Talmud as a historical source by Jacob Neusner of Bard College. Now look up that word hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the theory and methodology of interpretation, especially the interpretation of biblical texts, wisdom literature, and philosophical texts. So it's dealing with the Bible, all right, and the validity of it. Matter of fact, I found what I was looking for now. 
So what we was reading in the Holman's uh, Bible Atlas was talking about Jews, right? Jews, Jews, Jews. Now watch this. Read this, and this is from coming from the uh, Zondervan Bible Pictorial Dictionary. Jew, originally, it denoted one belonging to the tribe of Judah. So originally, for you to be a Jew, you had to be from the tribe of Judah. Read. Or to the two tribes of the southern kingdom. Or it applied to the two tribes, talking about Judah, Benjamin, and we know some of the Levites was there. So if you were in the southern kingdom, even if you were a Benjamite, a Benjamite, a Levite, or a Judah, you were still referred to as a Jew because you were in the southern kingdom. I want everybody to see this. Read on. Reference in 2 Kings 16.6 and 25.25. But later, its meaning was extended. But later, the meaning of being a Jew was extended. Read. And it was applied to anyone of the Hebrew race. It was applied to anyone of the Hebrew race, including who? The Northern Kingdom. So the Northern Kingdom, the Southern Kingdom, well, after the Babylonian captivity, all were referred to as Jews, y'all. I want us to understand this. This is very important. What else did you say? Who returned from captivity. Right. And a lot of us did. We're going to get into that. The return of the exiles. All right. Now I want you to go back to the article you were reading. Okay. From history to hermeneutics, the Talmud as a historical source by Jacob Neusner of Bard College. Now. Why are we talking about the Talmud? Because remember, y'all, the title of the show is Never Wax Tail. And I went over how the so-called – oh, hello, hello, hello. I hope everybody can hear me loud and clear, man. They kicked me off. They kicked me off as soon as I got, got done talking about them red people and how they're imposters. <laughs> But the reason I'm bringing up the Talmud is because this is the thing they always bring up and try to say, oh, well, the Talmud, the Talmud, we're Jews, we're Jews. And then we always ask them, okay, what happened to the rest of the tribes then? And they never have an answer. But that's why I'm doing this series, to show us, to explain to us, for those who don't know, what happened to the rest of the tribes. And I hope you all get some understanding. But I want to read this about the Talmud. Let's get it. One, the end of the Talmudic history. So far as history claims exactly to spell out events that happened at a particular place and time, the Talmud and the rest of the rabbinic canon of late antiquity do not serve. Whoa, 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 whoa. Read that again. So far as history claims exactly to spell out events that happened at a particular place and time. So this is how you know you're talking about history, events that happened at a particular place and time, read. The Talmud and the rest of the rabbinic canon of late antiquity do not serve. Meaning that the Talmud has no historical validity. That's what that means. It's not true. It's a book of theology. It's not a book of our history, the Israelites' history. It's some crap that that they made up during the time of the Babylonian captivity. We'll get more detail with that. Read. 
They do not supply reliable historical information. What? Read again. They do not supply reliable historical information. It's not reliable. It's not history. Read. About once upon a time. Rabbinic documents contain stories about things that allegedly took place. They allegedly, these stories that may took place, may not took place. Fantasy, read. Which we cannot validate or invalidate. <laughs> read on. They record statements in the name of biblical and rabbinic authorities, which we have no means of verifying or falsifying. It can't be verified. That book has nothing to do with God's people or the Most High. It's a fabrication. Read. They describe a social order, evidence for which we cannot locate in material records, and institutions, the record or impact of which we cannot recover. Once again, truth is something that is proven. If you can't prove it, it ain't the truth. You can't prove the Talmud. Read. The stories of the rabbinic canon preserved, preserved were not told by contemporaries, eyewitnesses to what is told, stenographers did not bear witness to what was said, and the chain of tradition of those stories generally commences with the earliest documentary testimony long, long after the events that are portrayed. The manuscript evidence for the documents hardly wins confidence. Attributions of sayings to named authorities at a specific time and place form part of the same flawed record. The same sayings are attributed to two or more authorities, or a named authority may be given contradictory opinions. You see this? The book contradicts everything. It contradicts the Bible. Man, you brothers got to be careful, man. Because I ain't just talking about the Talmud, because I know brothers be out there reading... um, the book of Jasher, the book of Enoch, and all those books do is they contradict the Bible. Precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You see how I was able to pull different books and different chapters from the Bible which correspond with the other chapter? That's the way those other books are supposed to read. But when they don't correspond, that's letting you know, man, it ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. These flaws in the Talmud as a historical record do not argue for using the Talmud for the telling of the tale of what happened on a particular day to a particular person. Gerard We as Gawesson say, the debates about the historical usefulness of the Talmudic literature have run their course. Those persuaded... He said the debates are over. You don't need to debate about this no more. It's it's a non-issue. Pre? Those persuaded that the Talmud provides objective testimony about past events and personalities will continue to treat the Talmud as a stenographic record of what was really said and its narrative as a reliable digital picture of what really happened. They're going to keep fighting for their fictional book, even though none of this crap happened. Those who bring a higher quotient of criticism to the sources will persist in regarding the other side as gullible and credulous. It does not pay to recapitulate familiar debates. It is time to move on. 
What is to be done now? Read on. What is to be done now? The work of cultural description, analysis, and interpretation awaits. What is the cultural outcome of the rabbinic law and its theological system? The rabbinic documents provide absolutely dependable evidence about the mind of those that created and compiled those documents. All right, that's enough of that. How much more you got of that? No, it's, it ends right. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get First uh, Ezra chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 43. Because I know you might be asking, okay, what has this got to do with uh, the Edomites and the topic? Like I said, the, the topic is never waxed pale. And the reason I titled it that, because the Most High tells us in the scriptures that the Jewish faith will never wax pale, meaning we're never going to get white. Because what did the, our Native American brothers refer to Esau as when they seen Pale face. The Israelites are never going to wax tail, but they claim that they're the Israelites, and they are not, and they cannot prove it. Where are we at? First Ezra, from the Apocrypha, chapter 4, verse 43. Then said he unto the king, remember thy vow, which thou hast vowed to build Jerusalem. Now, this is, um, what's the brother's name? Oh, man, come on, Tosapah. Uh, this is Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel was part of a contest with two other brothers about what was the strongest, wine, women, or the king. And Zerubbabel won the contest, and this is what he's asking the king for as a reward. Read. In the day when thou camest to thy kingdom, and to send away all the vessels that were taken away out of Jerusalem, which Cyrus set apart when he vowed to destroy Babylon, and to send them again thither, Thou also hast vowed to build up the temple which the Edomites burned. Which who? The Edomites. The Edomites burned the temple. What temple? The first temple that we're talking about when the Babylonians came in. Esau was with them. So you ask, how did they get hold of our records? How did they come over this Talmud crap? Because they was there. They were there as the villains, not the heroes. Not the victims. Read. Which the Edomites burned when Judea was made desolate by the Chaldees. And now, O Lord, the king, this is that which I require and which I desire of thee. And this is the princely liberality proceeding from thyself. I desire, therefore, that thou make good the vow. So he, this is Rubabel petitioning the king at this time, Darius, for him to send us back to rebuild the temple. These are all the exiles that came back. You can read about this in the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, and here in 1 uh, Ezra. Now, let's get uh, Psalms chapter 137 and verse 1, and we're going to close with this. This this validates what we just read in 1 Ezra when he talk about the Edomites and how they destroyed the temple, the first temple. Read this. Psalm 137.1, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. The rivers of what? Babylon. Now, this is a dual-fold prophecy. It's talking about ancient Babylon, and then it's talking about Babylon the Great, which is America. Read. There we sat down, yea, we wept, when we remembered Zion. 
Mm-hmm. We hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. Mm-hmm. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. Nothing new under the sun. They wanted us to be happy slaves. Seeing one of those old Negro spirituals while y'all working, while y'all going in captivity. Sound familiar? Read. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom. This is the part I want to get to. Read that again. Slow down. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom. The children of Edom, the Edomites, Esau. Remember them. Read. In the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. The word raise means to burn. They were saying, burn it, burn it, even to the foundations thereof. And we found out in First Ezra that they was there, and they the ones that burned it. Oh, daughter of Babylon. Daughter of who? Babylon. Meaning that they had their conception in Babylon's rise to power, and they came out. They're the latter end of the Babylonian Empire, which is Babylon the Great. Read. Who art to be destroyed. And what is the most high God line for Babylon the Great? Who art to be destroyed. Is going to be destroyed. Read. Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. So everything they did to us, they're going to get it back. Read. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. They babies going to get dashed against the stones and killed no different than how they killed our babies with the butts of their uh, uh, rifles and with the uh, heels of their boots in the effort to spare bullets. I'm talking about when they killed the northern kingdoms off here in the Americas in the conquest of this country and the expansion of America. Smallpox blankets and the whole nine and all the diseases they came with. So this is a good stopping point, y'all. I just wanted to get that to show that these same people who are claiming to be us and talking about how the Talmud is their book and they're the real Jews and all of this, showing that they were actual culprits that helped destroy the first temple. So, y'all, I hope that everybody got some edification out of that. If you got any questions about uh, today's class or topic, you can hit me up at area code 314 Four eight two ninety one ten, or if you just want to rap to a brother, hit me up as well. Uh, the water Mashaba for hooking up the broadcast, my brother. Uh, the water to all of Israel that's been listening, supporting Blog Talk, and um, going to tell y'all too, man. The Check Mashaba show, Mashaba's doing a really great job at bringing out salvation and what salvation really is according to the Bible, man. I need to check that out. Uh, but until then, y'all, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tazza Pop. Tuesday. Tazza Pop. Tuesday. Tazza Pop. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say shalom. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.